Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to our worship teams everywhere. Mark chapter 3, I'm going to turn two places in your Bibles, Mark chapter 3, uh, if you'll turn there first. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching online, Dalton and Rossville, wherever you may be, Rock Spring, thank you for being here. I'm starting a new sermon series today entitled, The Will of God, What Does God Want From My Life? And what I want us to do this morning is I want to take just about three minutes and set up this whole series that I'll be preaching over the next four or five weeks. What does God want for my life? We're always concerned about the will of God, right? We're always looking for the will of God. Well, here's what, here's what Jesus said about the will of God. Look, Mark chapter three, look at verse 33. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Mark three, Jesus replied to them, who are my mother and my brothers? Now understand what Christ is trying to say here. He's saying, who is in the family of God? Who is intimate in my family? Who are those that, that know me, walk with me, get me? Well, it's not just this, this conversation had been going on about his earthly mother and brothers, and Jesus is expanding it to me and to you. And he's saying, so who really is intimate with me? Who really is my mother and my brothers or my family? Looking at those sitting in a circle around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Now get this, it's not just those who are saved. That's part of it, but that's not just those. So here's what he said. Who are my mother and my brothers? Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. So that's something we've got to pay attention to. Who is in the family of God? Who is intimate with Christ? Who, who does God know on a deeper level? Well, here's what Christ himself said. Those that know and do the will of God. So we can translate the will of God into a statement like this. It is hearing God's word and putting it into practice. Hearing God's word, putting it into practice. That was the whole context of Mark chapter three. People who are hearing the word of God and putting it into practice. That is the will of God. That is um, what, um, uh, what makes you part of the family. Uh, and when I say family, of course, I know you're family of God when you get saved, but the intimate circle of Christ is those who are, know the will of God. They're hearing the word of God and they're putting it into practice. Now, let me say this about the will of God. We get really hung up on the what and the where of the will of God. I'll, I'll just say it as, as a pastor, right? Uh, before I went into full-time ministry as a pastor, uh, I, I, you get really hung up on the what and the where. Where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do? All that. You, you do that as well. You get hung up on the what and the where. Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I buy this car? Should I not buy this car? Should I marry this person? Should I not marry this person? That goes on infinitum in your life. Should I do this? And it's always surrounding the what and the where. That is what we would call the specific will of God in your life, this one thing, and that changes from time to time, right? 
that God may want you here for a moment, but then he may want to move you there. He may want you doing one thing. He may want to move you somewhere else. That is the specific will of God. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about the specific will of God. As a matter of fact, here's what I'm going to talk about over the next few weeks. There are places in the New Testament where the New Testament tells us that there are certain things that are the will of God. We'd almost call it the general will of God. That is God's general will that you act this way, that you comport yourself this way, that you do these things, that you believe these things. And the Bible tells us, maybe it's Paul or somebody will say, well, here's the will of God for your life. So here's what I want you to gather. Look, look right this way, lean in just a little bit. Let me put it on the screen. Don't bother looking for the specific will of God until you are obedient to the general will of God. Now, now there, there are those of you here that you may be, listen, you're listening to me this morning, you may be watching this video weeks and months from now, but here, here's, you're really struggling with, um, should I do this, should I do that? Should I buy this, should I, should I engage in this, engage in that? Well, here's the problem. You're never going to hear that level of specificity from God until you're obedient in the general things that the Bible says, here's the will of God. So we're living a life of disobedience and we're, we're trying to hear from God. We're trying to hear from Christ. We're trying to get him to direct this, this portion of our lives. But yet we've got these glaring absences in our lives where the word of God has already clearly said, said, hey, this is the will of God. You know what the will of God is? Do this. Do this. You say, well, that doesn't help me find a job. That doesn't help me know whether to marry this person. That doesn't help me to make this decision. But it does. It does. Because the more I lean in on this, the more I'm going to hear from God on the other. So here's what I want to do over the next few weeks. And boy, some of this is going to get heavy over the next couple of weeks. Put your, put your big boy clothes on, man. We're going to talk some heavy stuff as we go through some of this. But some of this is going to surprise you. So today I want to start this kind of introductory sermon. And I want to preach on this today. God's will. What is God's will in the Bible? God's will is give thanks. So I want you to turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to get there in just a moment, don't, don't worry about it right now. Just turn there, and we're going to talk about this idea of God's will being giving thanks. Now, don't, don't raise your hand because you might embarrass the person next to you, but let me ask you, how many of you got a present at Christmas you didn't want? Right? Like you got something you don't need, you don't want it. You're trying to figure out how to destroy it, what do I do with this, how to hide it, how do I take it back? Seems like every Christmas or maybe it's a birthday or sometime in your life, we all get something that we don't really want. And I got to wondering, what, how do you respond? Have, have you ever, men, 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 we don't do this well. Men, we, we, we generally don't open gifts well. Is that you? That's me. I'm not a great. Now, my girls, my wife, I mean, I could wrap up a fork out of the cabinet and give it to them and they'd act like it was a diamond ring. And it really puts a lot of pressure on, on me because I'm not as good about that. It's even with something really great I love, but what do you do when you get a gift you don't like? So I was curious and I, I dug around the internet to look for advice on what to do when you get a gift you don't like. And I found, believe it or not, at thesaurus.com, they gave out six ways to respond when you get a gift you don't like. What do you say when you get a gift you don't like? Here's what they said. Number one, you say this, that's so thoughtful. 
right? That's real generic. You can get by with that. You thought about me, apparently, and that means a lot. This one is great. How about this, number two? I love the color. I hate the gift, but the color's fine. You know what? Oh, this. How about number three? I'm overwhelmed. See, that's a great one because you are overwhelmed because you're overwhelmed thinking, how am I going to get rid of this? How am I going to take this back? When am I going to find time? Number four could be a lie. I really appreciate this. Maybe not so much. How about number five? Um, it's so unique. Yeah, and then number six is my favorite. You're too kind. You're dumb, but you're really kind, though. You're, you're, really, you're really kind. You're really kind. My, my wife... Um, my wife loves to give gifts. Her, one of her love languages towards me is giving me gifts. I'm not a good gift giver. I, I, like, I give money. I just give her money because I don't really understand everything women got going on, you know, in their lives. And so I don't buy clothing or makeup or any of that stuff. God bless you if you do. But she loves to give me gifts. As a matter of fact, my wife will say to me, um, my wife will say to me, she said, hey, I'm going to go shopping. I'm looking for a, you know, a whatever they look for. I don't know what they look for. Makeup, clothes, shirt, top, whatever. She, I'm going to look for stuff. And my wife will go be gone for three hours and she'll come back with four bags of clothes for me. For me. And I'm like, I, I, didn't, I didn't need anything. I'm very simple. Like, you know, there's this whole Instagram page that's dedicated to pastors who wear $1,000 tennis shoes. Yeah, th yeah, that's not me, man. The last two pair of shoes I bought, I bought off eBay. That's kind of how I roll. And so, um, I, you know, I'm just kind of a simple man when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I, I don't need four bags of clothes at any point in my life. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you caught on to this or not. Several people did at Christmas time when I shot the selfie video out in front of the Walmart before we took the kids shopping at Walmart, you may have picked up on it. When I shot the same selfie last year, I was wearing the same shirt and coat I had on the year before. Simple guy, man. I don't need a lot of stuff. My wife will come back with four bags of clothes for me, and she knows how I am. She knows I, I want simplicity of life when it comes to that. And my wife will buy me four bags of clothes, and here's what she always says, always, every time. Same words come out of her mouth. She'll lay it out all on our bed, and here's what she says. If you don't like it, I can take it back. If you don't like it, I can take it back. Right, we all get gifts we don't like, and we wish they could be taken back. It's one thing to get a gift you don't like, but sometimes we don't like the gift where we are in life, and we'd love to take it back. We'd love to say, God, I... I appreciate this situation you have me in. I don't want it. God, I love, I love where you got me today. I don't want it. As a matter of fact, I wrote this statement down. It's not on the screen, but listen to this. Sometimes gratitude is hard because we want to take the gift back. Why, why is that true? Listen to this. When the offering doesn't meet the expectation, we are disappointed and find it hard to be thankful. Did you get that? When the offering doesn't meet the expectation, 
We are disappointed and find it hard to be thankful. That's true when you get an earthly gift, but man, carry that over to life. How many times is the offering that we have in our life from God is, is doesn't meet our expectations and we want to take it back. That happens to life over and over and over that life does not meet our expectations. And when life doesn't meet our expectations, it's in that moment we find it hard to be thankful. I saw this graph someone made called Everyday Life. This, this solid line is your life. The dotted line is what you thought would happen in your life. And the bottom line is what actually happened. And there's this gap, right? There's a gap in everyday life. Man, you get married, you thought it was going to be this, and it turned into that. You get a new job, you thought it was going to be this, and it turned into that. Have a kid, you thought it was going to be this, and it turned into that. Your health, you thought it was going to be this, and it turned into that. Your finances, you thought it was going to be this, and turned into that. And when you wind up with that gap in your life, we find it difficult to be grateful and give thanks. Rarely does life follow that trend we want it to follow. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I saw this, I saw this gift this video it's 14 seconds there's no sound but this is what life feels like sometimes what's this <laughs> right i'm gonna let that play all again because you got to watch the people around him how they're acting when he does it right is that not how life feels already man life is an uphill struggle life is an uphill push and sometimes it, that just happens right Sometimes life just dumps all over you when you think, hey, it ought to be this way. It ought to be that way. And sometimes it, it, when, when uh, the dirt of life has piled on top of us, I read a verse that says, be thankful. And I find it really hard to do that. Well, what did Paul say? Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it now? First Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it's one verse, but I want you to stand while we read it. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't have time to give you the whole background on this book, but Paul had preached in Thessalonica in his second missionary journey. He's been gone from Thessalonica for about a year. He's writing this book to check on them, and they were facing serious persecution. Thessalonica was a religious city, but they worshiped Apollo and Athena and Hercules and Zeus, the, the pantheon of Roman and Greek gods. Paul, after preaching in Thessalonica, had been run out of town on a death threat. Paul had had to leave Thessalonica because they had tried to kill him. And so to the church where Paul had tried, uh, uh, they had tried to take his life, where they tried to kill him, Paul wrote back to that church and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be thankful. Now, Paul left that church in that same circumstance. 
Paul left that church with that same persecution. Paul left that church in that same culture. And now the First Baptist Church of Thessalonica, they're trying to carry on in that same culture, in that same persecution, in that same oppression. And to that church, Paul said, I want you to be thankful. Paul said not only that, not just I want you to be thankful. Paul said this, in that, in the circumstance you find yourself in, Thessalonica, it is God's will. I mean, that's interesting phraseology, right? It is God's will that you show gratitude. It is God's will that you be thankful. Now, church, listen to me this morning. Here's what you've got to learn. I don't know what circumstance you're in. I don't know what you may be going through. I don't know where you are. Everything may be great in your life. Everything may be kind of in the middle, dull, or the dirt may be piled on top of you right now. Whoever you are and wherever you are, God's will for your life is that you be grateful. So my, my sermon, my slides are getting ahead of my sermon. Oh man, I need a title slide after that. Do you need the next one? All right, let me show you number one. Why be grateful? Number one is this. Thanksgiving is a sign of godliness. Thanksgiving is a sign of godliness. Now, here's, here's what, now I want you to notice, we, we only read the one verse, but what I want you to notice are all the commands that are around verse 18. So here's what we see. We read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here's what we see. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Listen to your preacher. Stay away from evil. All of those are the commands that are surrounding verse number 18 that says, uh, be thankful in everything. All of these, if, I mean, it doesn't take a mature Christian to understand all of these are commands of godliness, right? Always have joy. Be praying all the time. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Listen to your preacher. Stay away from evil. All of those are signs of godliness in our life. And in the midst of all those signs of godliness, Paul drops number verse 18 that says the will of God for your life is for you to be thankful. Now, listen to me, church. One difference between godliness and ungodliness is gratitude. Now, hold on. If I'd said to you, tell me the difference between godliness and ungodliness, you might have pointed me to some kind of sexual immorality. You might have pointed me to some kind of grievous sin. You might have pointed me to something you'd seen or heard that somebody else have done. You might have said it's, it's coming to church, it's, 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 a, it's adultery, it's, it's all, all these kind of things. But that's not what Paul said. It's not what God said. God said, let me tell you the difference between godliness and ungodliness. The difference between godliness and ungodliness can be expressed through the gratitude to your life. Here's what Paul was trying to say, that when you are close to God, you become thankful. My wife and I live in Ringo. We live at the kind of a top of a hill in a subdivision. When we leave our house, we have to drive by Spencer B's Barbecue. Anybody ever eaten at Spencer B's Barbecue? I don't own a steak. I should have bought, I should have bought some of the, I should have went down to the guy Friday and said, can I buy some of your company? Because now everybody goes to Spencer B's Barbecue. But he, he, he smokes outside. Not like this kind of smokes, but like grill smokes outside. And a lot of times he's smoking the night before. We pull down that hill. Listen, it can be, restaurant be closed, just a drive-through, but restaurant be closed. But you can still smell that smoker going. And when I drive by Spencer B's, I get hungry whether I'm hungry or not. Why? The smell 
draws me in and makes me crave barbecue. And by the way, doesn't take me doesn't take a lot to make me crave barbecue. But just as, when I'm close to Spencer B's, I get hungry. Can I say something? When you're walking with Christ, the fragrance of Christ makes you want to be grateful. Gratitude is a natural byproduct of walking with Christ. I love this quote. I love this quote. Thomas Akimba said this, whoever loves God receives from his hand the bitter as well as the sweet and both with equal gratitude. Whoever loves God, knows he doesn't say whoever's a Christian, whoever goes to church. It's whoever loves God, whoever is godly. They receive the bitter as well as the sweet and both with equal amounts of gratitude. Why? Walking with Christ naturally brings out the gratitude in my life. So you say, preacher, I have a hard time being thankful. Don't try to be thankful. Be godly. Don't try to express gratitude. Be holy. Don't make a note to be thankful every day. Walk with Jesus every day of your life. And when you are near the fragrance of Christ, hear me, thanksgiving happens. See, this morning you want to show gratitude. That's the will of God for your life. It may not be a gratitude problem. It may be a godliness problem. Because you know what I can say, I can testify to? I've seen over and over again. Ungodliness, hang on, leads to complaining. When I'm not walking with Christ, I find no reason to be thankful. When I'm not walking with Jesus, I find no reason to express gratitude. As a matter of fact, when I'm not walking with Christ, I complain and I complain and I complain about my circumstances, but there is something about loving God. There's something about walking with Christ. There's something about spending time in prayer every day and spending time in his word every day and getting to know Jesus more and more that the more I know him, the less deserving I become of any of the goodness of God. And that drives me to be more thankful and more gracious, express more gratitude every day of my life. How grateful are you this morning? How often do you spend time in gratitude? You say, oh, preacher, you don't, know, you don't know my circumstance. You don't, and I've been there, and I understand, and I get it. I'm just like you. It is hard to bow your head and be thankful for a circumstance that you don't like being in or you don't want to be in that is a, a, a circumstance that is, that is negative to say the least, destructive to say the least. But hear me, the more I walk with Christ, the easier that becomes. Thanksgiving is a sign of godliness. Number two, I want to tell you this. Thanksgiving is a show of trust. Thanksgiving is a show of trust. I want to, I want to put a psalm, Psalm 28. Just make a, a note in your Bible. Let me put it on the screen. It's a psalm of David. And let me read the psalm to you. Lord, I call to you, my rock. Do not be deaf to me. If you remain silent to me, I'll be like those going down to the pit. Listen to the sound of my pleading. When I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your sanctuary, do not drag me away with the wicked, with the evildoers who speak in friendly ways with their neighbors while malice is in their hearts. Uh, repay them according to what they've done, according to the evil of their deeds. Repay them according to the work of their hands. Give them back what they deserve because they do not consider what the Lord has done or the work of his hands. He will tear them down and not rebuild them. Let's see where we are so far. Let me tell you where we are so far. 
David is under pressure from his enemies, and they are winning. So David is praying in advance, Lord, I need to get victory over my enemies. God, I need to win this battle. All right, so look at verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the sound of my pleading. Now, nothing has changed from verse 5 to 6, but hang on. He says in verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates, and I give thanks to him with my song. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is a stronghold of salvation for his anointed. Save your people. Bless your possession. Shepherd them and carry them forever. Now, now you say, preacher, what, what, what is Psalm 28 all about? Thanksgiving is important because it expressed your trust in God. Let me see where David was. Wicked people were attacking him. David was crying for help. He was in a bad situation, but he expressed his trust in God, and then he expressed his thanks in God. Listen, nothing had changed in that psalm. That psalm wasn't written before trouble and after trouble. That entire psalm was written while trouble was still going on. So how is David able to give thanks? Hang with me, it's amazing. He was thankful on faith. Do you know sometimes you're going to have to show gratitude on faith? You say, preacher, I'm looking at this situation. There's nothing good about this situation. Thanksgiving is a show of trust. Because here's what Paul said. Paul said, be thankful not for everything, but be thankful in everything. See, I don't, I don't, I don't have to tell God, thank you for this bad circumstance I am, but I'm in, but I can say, God, thank you for something. I can find something while I'm in this circumstance. You say, well, I'm not really seeing it. Well, how about this? Just be thankful on faith. David, Psalm 28, was nothing more than victory had not been won. The enemies had not been defeated. Nothing about his situation or circumstances changed. But David launched into thankfulness and song on faith. God, I've seen you work before. I trust you to work again. You do this in your life anyway. I, I do it. Uh, my wife for years has done the majority of cooking at uh, our Thanksgiving. Our whole family comes to our house. She cooks the majority of the meal. And uh, the girls have uh, started helping as they get older. But it's, it's mostly done at our house. And I don't know, ladies, what your kitchen looks like on Thanksgiving. But there's a lot going on in the kitchen. I don't understand. Every pot we got is out. And every pan we got is out. And every crock pot is running. And uh, uh, North Georgia's powers want to know what's going on at our house. I mean, we are cooking it all. It all. I mean, there, there is stuff out everywhere. Cabinets are, 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 are listen, in, if I cheat, I, I, I reserve, sometimes I circle dates on the calendar where I'm going to eat unhealthily and, and love it, and Thanksgiving's always one of those dates. There's certain dishes I only get on Thanksgiving. I don't know why we don't cook turkey any day but Thanksgiving, but I love it. I circle, I'm going to cheat on Thanksgiving, but man, I, I'll walk through the kitchen when she's preparing that meal, and I'll give her a big hug, and I say, honey, thank you. I know it's a lot of work, but I want to tell you, I appreciate it. It's going to be a great, great meal today. Now, the truth is, at the moment, I hadn't tasted a thing that, that she's caught me doing, but I hadn't tasted a thing. <laughs> but, oh, hey, that pie just turned out that way. It's weird how it cut out one little piece like that while I was in the oven. I, I hadn't tasted a thing, but you know what I'm doing? 
I'm expressing gratitude on faith. How can I express gratitude on faith? Because I've had this meal before, and I know if she's the cook, it's all going to turn out okay. You know what you got to do sometimes in the Christian life? You got to walk through the kitchen of your life. You got to give the Lord Jesus a hug and say, thank you for what you're doing. You say, preacher, I'm not figuring out how this is done. You don't have to figure it out. You just got to trust. But based on past experience, I know I serve a God that can make all of this work out for my good and his glory. Let me show you a great Bible verse. Jesus did this himself. As a matter of fact, John chapter 11, this is the raising of Lazarus. Y'all remember when Lazarus got raised? Look, I want you to notice the word. You may not have seen it. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. This is the beginning of the prayer. First thing he says, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him, let him go. Now let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back. Uh, He said, thank you. Now, why would he say thank you already? Lazarus is still dead, right? We'll go to the next verse. Because you always hear me, right? Jesus himself said, based on past experience, I'm going to trust that you're going to help me out right now. And Jesus himself thanked the Father in advance. Now, listen, man, I, I could preach here all day long. Some of you here this morning, you're in bad circumstances in life. You're, you don't like where you are. Things are not going your way. You say, well, how to work and I express gratitude? Do it on faith. Go ahead and trust God. Because when you thank God in everything, it's a show of trust in the God you serve. Third thing I tell you about Thanksgiving, why it's the will of God. Number three, Thanksgiving is a song of praise. One verse I'll show you, jot it down in your notes, Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Gratitude is always a form or song of praise. Gratitude is remembering what God has done in your life and breaking out in worship because of what you've seen him done. I would put it in three. There are three stages of of gratitude in this instance. Number one, remembering. You've got to remember where God's brought you through. We have terrible, terrible, terrible memories. We forget the goodness of God. We forget that. Matter of fact, we just move on to the next thing, right? We just move on like God's never moved in our life, like God's never shown up in our life, like God's never bailed us out in our life. You got to stop every now and then and just remember the goodness of God. Then you got to reflect for a moment. Where would I be had God not showed up? Where would I be had God not shown up in my life? You remember, you reflect, and you know what you do? You rejoice. You rejoice. You express gratitude in song the way Colossians says. Gratitude is a song of praise. Listen, when we don't do that, instead of praise, we wind up complaining. We wind up griping. Close your Bibles, I'm finished. If we don't remember and reflect, we won't rejoice, and we wind up like this 
This Bart Simpson meme, I saw it. Put that full screen up there, if you don't mind. God, we paid for all this ourselves, so thanks for nothing. And that means an actual line. Do, do, do you want that to be your attitude? Thanksgiving is the opposite of that. Thanksgiving is a note of praise, a song of gratitude, a hymn of love to the God who saved you. You may be like me this morning. You can't sing, as we say in the South, you can't sing a lick. I can't. I can't sing a lick. But if Thanksgiving is a song of praise, I can do that. A.T. Robertson said this. Stand with me around the room. A.T. Robertson said, one of the common faults of men is failure to express gratitude for the simple courtesies and favors of life. It costs little to say thank you. Little to say thank you. We don't do it for other people, and we rarely do it for God. Listen, it is the will of God for your life. Preacher, I'd like to get an answer on what, when, and where in my life for God. I mean, I've been begging God to give me an answer to this. Well, God may be waiting on you to be grateful for what he's already done in your life. That is the will of God. It's a sign of godliness. It's a show of trust. It's a song of praise. How thankful are you? The will of God is for you to be grateful. Start there. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Our pastors are coming. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message and how to truly understand um, God's will for our life. And it's not as mysterious as we like to make it sometimes. There, there are some basic things like Pastor Joel talked this morning about being thankful that God just wants us to do. And maybe you find yourself complaining and grumbling and you need to learn to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. And uh, I hope that this morning's message was a challenge to you just like it was to me. Maybe this morning what you heard is you need to begin a relationship with Jesus. That begins with you understanding that you're a sinner and that your sin separates you from God. You've gotta be willing to admit that. And because God wasn't satisfied with that separation, He sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, to close the gap created by my sin and by your sin. You've got to believe that. And then you have to confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, We believe in our hearts, but we confess with our mouth and we will be saved. And so, if God has spoken to your heart this morning and your desire is to give your heart and life to Him, right here, right now, right where you are, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day to pay the penalty for my sin. And Lord, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to come take up residence in my heart. Take away my sin and be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it, we want to celebrate with you. And we want you to know that you're not alone on this faith journey that you started this morning. And so, 
If you'll click on the link that we just dropped in the chat box, it says, I commit my life to Christ. We're going to ask you a couple of questions, your name and your cell phone number. And then I personally am going to reach out to you this week to help you take next steps. Hey, it's been great to worship together this morning. Uh, God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.